Welcome back to the Straight Up Sports Talk podcast. Uh, once again, coming to you uh, from remote locations. We'll continue to do that really now until hopefully the middle of August when we get to return to campus at Ball State. Joined by my co-host Sam Thillman as usual. Uh, and today we're just kind of talking um, some sports documentaries and mainly focusing on The Last Dance. We saw the last two episodes last night. We're recording this on uh, Monday, May 18th, the, uh, the day after the final two episodes of The Last Dance. So we'll get to that. And uh, we'll just kind of go wherever the, um, wherever the microphone takes us, I guess. Sam, uh, how, how's it going? I mean, how have you been these past, uh, uh, past week or so since the last time we recorded a podcast? I mean, I mean, it's same old, same old. I mean, nothing's really changed in my life as a result since this quarantine's happened so yeah i've just been chilling what has been the meal that you've had the most during this quarantine like what is the food that you have ate the most during this whole three-month quarantine um i don't know my mom's been making something new every kind of most days so i would i would say something like um nachos hamburgers just something like ground beef wise all right all right that that's fair i've had a lot of hamburgers pork burgers um we've had tacos so yeah it's been it's been good though i I can't complain because it's it's been great food but uh um yeah i guess uh I, i i guess i just thought you know quarantine I would eat a lot of foods repetitively, but I guess I've tried to change it up enough to where I haven't got bored. If that makes sense. I don't know. I'm ready to go back to a restaurant though. And I know they're, they're open in Indiana and you can go, but I just, honestly, I don't feel that comfortable, I guess, yet going and honestly takeout is, is good. Yeah. I, I enjoy takeout being able to eat in the comfort of my home. Like what's wrong about that? I enjoyed, um, I had uh, watching the last dance episodes uh, last night. I had some ice cream while watching it. So yeah, it was a good time. Hey, I had some, some ice cream and a peach turnover. That was really, really good uh, last night while I watched the final two hours of the last dance, uh, which we're get to, we will uh, cover in today's episode. Again, thanks for tuning in. You can follow us on twitter we're at sports talk at six on twitter that's at sports talk at six or just search straight up sports talk on twitter you can find us there we ran a poll yesterday because it was kind of the return of live sports you had nascar going on and then a charity golf event that was uh, that took place yesterday as well um, so we, we put a poll up on that twitter page and asked were you guys watching um were you guys watching NASCAR? How, how much live sports did you need? Um, and 55% said no. And 44% said yes. So majority of people were not watching. I did tune in for a little bit, and I liked it. I mean, I thought, you know, it's live sports, and, um, you know, it's something that we've been looking forward to, you know, actual people doing sports really – so even though it was NASCAR, not the most popular sport, it was still fun to kind of watch and be like, hey, you know, this is happening live. This is not iRacing. This is not a rerun. That, that was a cool uh, thing that I kind of took away from, from watching live sports for the first time this weekend. 
Well, I think you mentioned last episode that I don't think everybody's going to watch sports even when it comes back like you didn't watch the UFC. So I think it's kind of the same thing where, like myself, I didn't tune into NASCAR. I'm sure that 55% didn't tune into NASCAR because they just didn't really enjoy it. I think, I think too, like this whole thing started and when we were gearing up for March Madness, we were about to have all the conference tournaments. We were about to get into to March Madness. And then that it was all taken away from us. And now we're like wanting that March Madness kind of competition in sports because we missed out on it. So I think, you know, NASCAR can't obviously supplement that, but it was a live sporting event of some kind. But anyways, uh, we'll get started here. Uh, talking about the last dance, Sam, I know that you've watched all 10 episodes. I've watched all 10 episodes and uh, the last two coming out last night, a lot of information was dropped in those last two episodes. They, uh, they covered, they got to everything uh, that I thought they would. Um, now, obviously Sam, we were not, we were not uh, alive when the Jordan, uh, phenomenon was going on and when when that dynasty was was taking place the repeat three-peat and everything that took place with the Chicago Bulls and just how much of a global sensation that they were not just in America but worldwide um, what is one thing that that you learned from this documentary that you didn't know about before obviously we were told about this. We we've seen it online. We can look anything up, but what was one thing that necessarily maybe you didn't know going, uh, going into the documentary that now, you know, on the other side of it. Well, I mean, considering, yeah, we know the stats, like uh, he won six championships and whatnot, but we really, me and you probably didn't know much going into the documentary outside of stats and whatnot. So it was just, a bunch of new stuff that we just that I just kind of garnered over the course, like um, how uh, at the end of the uh, series, the owner didn't want to pay all the role players, how Steve Kerr's father was overseas and got murdered. Like there was so much new stuff that because I wasn't alive for that, you weren't alive for that. We kind of got exposed to through this documentary. Yeah, we were exposed to a lot and, you know, I think you mentioned a great point. We've seen the stats. We've seen, yeah, they won six championships. Michael Jordan never lost an NBA Finals appearance. When he got there, he won the finals. And, you know, something that I took away uh, from that documentary was the, just the off-the-court stuff that they had to go through. I mean, being as popular as they were and as popular as Michael was, the stuff that they had to go through off of the court surprised me the most. Um, just be, I mean, there was 150 media members at every game wanting to, to cover this and wanting to get an interview with Michael. And I thought it was just interesting to see, uh, not only Jordan's life off the court, but the rest of the team, uh, with Rodman and his little vacations that he liked to take and, and Jordan with his gambling. And I think, you know, Jordan you had to use gambling and, and, and golf as an escape. He used it as an escape to um, where he didn't have to have the camera right in his face the whole time. And just, just the off-the-court stuff that they had to go through on a nightly basis. And, you know, there was a scene in the documentary where they're sitting in Jordan's hotel room and he's smoking a cigar 
uh, laying on his couch and he's like, he's like, I don't want to go out there because it's just, you know, it starts all over again. And uh, really for Michael Jordan, the amount of stuff he had to deal with um, was just at a level that, I mean, obviously we're seeing that today with LeBron, but I mean, just the, the entire off the court stuff that, that he went through uh, on top of the tiring NBA games that he was playing in, I thought was one of my takeaways from it. Yeah, the, as you mentioned, the amount of pressure he was on a day in, day out to win six championships, too. And I don't blame him for retiring once or even twice, or I believe he retired three times, including the Wizards. So I, don't, I honestly don't blame him for wanting to retire, to wanting to be done from because he couldn't ever escape, as you mentioned. Like, even when he tried to escape with the golf and gambling, the media still covered that. They still focused on that. So it was never – he's never had a chance to himself to be like, it's just myself, me, myself, and I, and my family. He never, ever escapes the media. And I think just his interaction with the media was just highlighted throughout this uh, doc. Yeah, and the, and the focus of the documentary – was that 97-98 Bulls team, uh, what that was known as the last dance. Phil Jackson was told at the beginning of the season, I don't care if you win 82 games, you're not going to be the coach next year. And Michael came out and said, if, if Phil's not the coach, I'm not playing. And so that was the focus of the documentary, but you had to know how they got there, and they took you through history uh, with Michael Jordan growing up, going to North Carolina, and then ultimately getting drafted by the Bulls, the relationship that he had with his father. Um, they did a great job of covering that. The whole aspect of, you know, was his fa- did he have a, a hand in his father's murder? I thought um, they did a good job of covering that and, and kind of putting that to rest, saying, no, there's no way he didn't. It was already to rest, but they kind of just reassured that aspect of it. And then – uh, you get into those championship winning years uh, that the Bulls had. And each one was a little bit different, obviously. But I think um, that that 97-98 team was obviously a special one, not only for Michael Jordan, but for the entire Chicago franchise. Uh, the repeat, three-peat. I mean, to, to win three championships uh, on two separate occasions was just, was just crazy. And, and you don't see it today obviously, uh, with this new phase NBA. But the, the main, I mean, they, they focused on the playoffs in the series a lot. And, and last night they, they were focusing on uh, that 97-98 Eastern Conference Finals matchups uh, with the um, Indiana Pacers, obviously with Reggie Miller um, and Rick Smith. So, uh, Sam, the Pacers were a very, very good team. And, and Reggie Miller, obviously a Hall of Famer, really good player. What was one thing that you took away from watching uh, the documentary cover that matchup with the Eastern Conference Finals with, with the Pacers? Um, I would say, for one, we didn't really see the Pacers until that last episode. They didn't mention the Pacers until they got to that point. So, And then another thing I didn't like is that they kind of skipped over two games in the Eastern Conference Finals, it was game five and six. They, uh, Michael Jordan said it was a tight series, the best team he's ever faced outside of the Pistons in the Eastern Conference. Yet they kind of skipped over two of the games to go right into episode seven. I know they had a time crunch or whatever, 
but they didn't cover the entire series uh, like I would have wanted if it was so good, if it was so tight, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, at some point you have to make that decision as, as a producer to say, okay, this is all we can have from this series. But like you mentioned, if it was so, um, so challenging, what, why didn't they, they – and they did shine a lot of light on it, but like you mentioned, they missed a couple of games there. Um, and that, that shot when Re- Reggie Miller made it to win uh, the eventual game winner and they cut to Larry Bird and he's, he is as straight as an arrow. He has no emotion. And then he says, well, it's because there was 1.7 seconds left on the clock and Michael Jordan was going to have the ball in his hands. And Jordan did get the last shot up, and he almost made it too, uh, which was just amazing. But, yeah, that series with the Pacers was, was a tough one. And you think, I mean, they, they ended that series with the Pacers, and then they got on the flight to Utah that night um, or the very next day. I think, I think it was either that night or the very next day. I can't quite remember. But, I mean, nevertheless, I mean, just the – just the, the physical, you know, torture that your body took during those series. And, and, you know, Michael in that series with the jazz, he, he was, they had that scene where he's just sitting on the bench and there's like 5.2 seconds left. The jazz have the ball and a chance they get the jazz have to score to win. And Michael is just completely exhausted. It took everything he had to go out there for that last 5.2 seconds. And I thought, uh, that the jazz series was it was the hardest it might have been the hardest for that team to win just the pure fact uh the hardest final series for the win for them to win just the pure fact that they were so worn out from the Pacers series and then to turn around and face the jazz who was an elite offensive team um I thought that just took a toll on Michael and eventually I think you know kind of led him into that second retirement if you would yeah, and I think also what uh, contributed to that fact was he had gotten beat up from so many teams before. He'd been in the league for 12, I think, seasons at that point. And so just a physical toll of the Pistons early in the series, the, the Lakers, the Pacers, the Cavs, every team, every playoff series he won, he just kept getting beat up more and more. And I think his body was kind of at a breaking point. So he needed to win that game get that series over and kind of get his body a just a nice rest, which he hadn't seen since his last retirement. And uh, obviously the flu game, you know, Jordan wanted nothing more but just to win. He wanted to win. He wanted to be the best at whatever he was doing, and he would do whatever it takes to win any game or any series. He was exhausted, but you never heard him complaining. He would always go out there and do his job. Uh, the flu game, which we kind of learned last night was food poisoning. Now, Sam, I got my opinions on this. Do you believe the story that Jordan told or that his, his personal assistant told about the five guys that delivered the pizza to Jordan's room at 1030 at night in, in Salt Lake City? I, I think so. I don't see there's a reason why not to believe it because he hadn't, according to the reports, he hadn't been sick up to, uh, up until that point. So I, I would tend to believe that side, whether they're just trying to make Utah look bad, make it look uh, suspicious or uh, look like Utah purposely poisoned them so Jordan would be on his A game. It could be debatable, 
but I, I do believe their, their story, their account. I, I believe, I believe that he got sick from eating pizza. I don't think it was five guys that delivered pizza. Your room. First of all, when you're at a hotel, you don't deliver pizza to the exact room. You have to go down to the lobby to get it. Second of all, it's 1030 at night. You're having, you're telling me five guys are working at one pizza joint at 1030 at night. I don't think so. So yes, I do buy the fact that he got sick from the pizza, but the whole thing with the five guys, I think that was just a little fluff uh, to add to the story. Uh, but Michael, I mean, he took that and used it as motivation. He took that, oh, you're going to try to poison me so that, so that way I can't play and in, in, so that you guys can win? No, I'm not going to do that. He took that as, okay, I'll show you what I have. And he went out there and did uh, and won. And it was just, it was just crazy. Uh, to you know, his body was, was, I mean, it was, it was like he was operating at half capacity, but he was producing the results that he would at hundred percent. Yeah. And one thing I noticed, as you mentioned, his motivation, it seemed like he could use any little thing to motivate him, whether it was obviously trash talk, some players saying, what you're bad at, uh, you're, you had a bad shooting night to, he talks to the press. He used any little thing, whether it was Carl, uh, last episode, uh, Carl Malone won the MVP and he used that to fuel him. So any little thing he could use to motivate him is how he brought his game to the next level, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah. He, he made it personal, right? I mean, in the 98, uh, series with, with the Hornets, BJ Armstrong, when he told him nice game, Mike, Jordan took offense to that. He took it as an insult and said, nice game, Mike. He went on to win the next three. I mean, he made things personal and used it as motivation. He took whatever he could to use it as motivation to be better. And I think that's what makes him the greatest player of all time. Now, uh, I want to go back to the flu game here just for a second. So Jason Hare, the executive producer of the docuseries, uh, he was on the Dan Patrick show this morning. And he said uh, that he was told um, by, I think it was by Michael, uh, by Michael Jordan, that Jordan ordered a pizza, and then when they got the pizza, that he spit on the entire pizza so that no one else could eat it. Because they did say in the in the episode that no, it was only Michael that ate the pizza. Jordan claims that earlier that night, all of his security detail and, and assistants had already ate without him. And so when he got hungry, he's like, "Well, you guys already ate. You're not getting any of it." He spat on the whole pizza so that he could eat the whole thing himself now do i believe that in some ways yes but also uh i believe that that he ate the whole pizza and i do believe that he was did get food poisoning from the pizza but it, i mean the, i don't think the whole story is as big as of a deal as yes he did eat pizza and got food poisoning from it yeah, and plus, I mean, he did end up winning that game. So in the end, the poisoning did impact him, but he got through. He pushed through. All right, yeah, they won that game, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in the end, the food poisoning, yes, impacted him to where he wasn't playing at 100%, but he still had a phenomenal game considering he was uh, had food poisoning or was sick or whatever and still got them to win the series. So in the end, whether or not he got food poisoning sick, people poisoned his story was made up or not at this point looking back on it it didn't have that big of an impact as people may want to believe 
Right. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned that. Uh, it's a great point. Um, yeah, but the whole documentary, I think they could make a, just a docu-series about Rodman's extracurricular activities. I mean, he did so much off the court um, that maybe, you know, obviously I, me and you didn't know about it because we weren't around then. But, I mean, they could make like a five-part series called, you know, for Rodman and just call it just the way he is because you heard Phil Jackson say that a lot. Um, and I kind of made a mock title, you know, call it just the way he is, the Dennis Rodman tales, and, ta- and talk about why he did those things off the court and his personality um, and his relationship with Carmen Electra. Um, but, yeah, going to, going to Vegas in the middle of the 97-98 season, say, hey, coach, I need a 48-hour vacation. Uh, I need to go to Vegas. I need to clear my mind. Phil Jackson said, you know what? Okay. And he, and he did, and obviously MJ had to go pick him up. Um, but he came back, and he went right back to work. And there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. His teammates didn't, didn't uh, really care that much. Sam, how would, that, how would today's NBA take that? How would the players and the media consume that in today's, today's NBA if, um, you know, say – I don't know, let's say Anthony Davis was to go to Vegas for 50 hours one in the middle of a season. Uh, for one, I think it would be all over social media. There's really, like most of the people in America have a social media account, so it would probably be blown up all over social media. If players had an issue with it, they would kind of let it be known on Twitter, through the press or whatever, and I think – I think what Phil Jackson did with Rodman was a great job because when you look at the facts that Rodman, yes, he was a wild personality and did what he wanted. When he stepped on that court, he was just as good with or without practice. He went a hundred percent. He didn't need to score. All he needed to do was rebound and defense. So if you can have those antics off the court, not really do anything illegal and still come back on the court and perform Excellent. I don't see why why not in today's NBA he couldn't do that. Right. Um, I just think that that the media and that players would take it a little differently. Uh, oh, you're walking out on your team. Uh, are you you're 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 not going to be there for your team for these you know games or whatever? I think they would consume it a little differently. Um, and then that he Rodman going to to WC double in the middle of an NBA final series. They were in the middle of the series with the Jazz. They, they had just blown them out in game three to take a two-to-one lead. And Rodman goes to WCW. He gets on a private jet right after and goes to Detroit and does this, like, that, is, that was absolutely insane. Like, that it, you just blew the Jazz out, but you still have two games to – to go two games to win the finals and you're going to, to a WCW event like that, that was insane to me. And I thought that I, I thought that, that we were going to, I thought we were going to see a little, I thought we were going to see Phil Jackson a little more worked up about that than what we did. Well, I think when, uh, to his point, I think when he realized when, uh, Dennis Rodman was different when he changed over, when he let him be. He realized this was going to be a continuous thing with him, that he was going to have to let Rodman kind of breathe, if you will, not be as strict 
because at the end of the day, Rodman's going to do what Rodman's going to do. And if he didn't let him go to Vegas or whatever or do this Michigan thing, maybe he wouldn't have played. Maybe he would have held out. Maybe he would have wanted to be traded because that was him. That's who he wanted to be, and he let it be known that he wanted to do it, and he did it to his credit. Yeah, and, you know, we didn't see we didn't see the frustrated Phil Jackson, but he had to have been a little frustrated on the inside that, you know, maybe your focus isn't 100% on the finals. But he showed up to work. I mean, he showed up and he did his work, and I guess what you do outside of work is, is your time, I guess. And it might be a little different in the NBA, but, uh, you know, if you were to, to – or if I were to get off work and – drive to Cincinnati and, and go to Kings Island for a couple hours or whatever, and then came back the next day and I was at work on time, my boss would not question it. And I guess that's kind of the way you have to look at it with Dennis Rodman. Obviously, it's a little bit, di- bit of a different situation. You know, I'm not playing in the NBA uh, right now, but uh, that's kind of the way that, that I kind of looked at it. It was like, you know what? He's off the clock and it's his time. Um, and he showed right up and he, he missed practice the next day, but again, not that uncommon for Dennis Rodman. Yeah. And I think, um, Oh wait, what were you going to say? No, go, go ahead. And I think one of the like things that they didn't highlight highlight was how good Phil Jackson was because they didn't focus on after the fact. And yes, he did lead the Chicago Bulls to six championships, but he also led the Lakers to five. So 11 championships coaching. I don't. I don't think they did Phil Jackson enough, uh, like elevating him to show how good he was. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, he was there, and, and his interviews were good because he had great insight. Um, obviously, overseeing this team, and Phil Jackson is a great head coach. Obviously, a Hall of Famer. So, um, yeah, they 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 didn't focus as much in terms of highlighting. Uh, his accomplishments and success as maybe they probably could have. But again, it was mainly centered around Michael Jordan. It was mainly centered around that Bulls team um, rather than individual people. All right, we get to the end of the documentary and they get into the part talking about the decision to break up the Bulls. And one thing that I was thinking about uh, this afternoon was why did Reinsdorf, why did he want to make it seem like it was an all or nothing decision to keep the Bulls intact? Like he said, like in that interview, he made it seem like it was all or nothing. Like either everybody's staying or everybody's going, we can't meet in the middle. And I thought that was kind of weird. I thought, you know, you could keep a couple. I mean, you could keep Phil, which would keep Michael and, Tony Kukoc, you could keep those three. That would have been enough. Maybe you maybe sign Rodman to a one-year deal. That would have been enough to make another run. You could replace all of those other players easily. So why didn't Reinsdorf and Jerry Krause say, "Hey, let's let's offer Phil a one-year deal. Let's offer Michael a one-year deal, and 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 Kukoc, and let's see if we can get a seventh. Like why why wasn't that brought up? Well, I think what it was brought up in the first or second episode when uh, it was the GM that said that that was brought up that the GM didn't like that Michael and Phil were kind of elevated above him. They didn't see the GM as the greatest of all time. And so I think he was kind of jealous and thought that maybe he could get rid of all these pieces, rebuild and start another championship that he could be seen as the real kind of face of the Bulls that he – 
he gets the credit that he deserves. That was just that's just how how I saw. It. I thought he was kind of jealous of the player spotlight that he wasn't getting any. Yeah, um, and th- and they did mention that that you know Kraus wanted a little more credit for for building the Bulls, and he was a great general manager. And it's unfortunate that we we weren't able to to hear his side of the story. Um, obviously, with him passing away, but it, you know it's unfortunate that that we weren't he wasn't able to 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 share his side of the story of it. Obviously, Reinsdorf didn't want to pay, but again, you probably could have kept enough players. If you could have kept Phil and Mike, that would have been enough because everybody else you could have replaced. Scotty, you weren't going to keep because he he was going to get paid somewhere else. Uh, that was obvious, but you could have kept enough. Now, would have Michael returned to the Bulls without Scotty? I don't know. That would have been interesting. But again, I think that too, and and maybe maybe you know Michael was was burnt out again. And that's a very real possibility. Well, I also think, Grant, when you look before Scotty was there, Mike was the only guy. And, yes, I think they reached, like, the uh, Eastern Conference Championship with just Mike. But he wasn't going to win a title until he had that second superstar along him. That's why Scotty was brought in, because they won championships together. That's how it kind of gave Michael the opportunity to not be the entire offense so defenses couldn't game plan for him. And I think that's why Scotty was so vital. And if Scotty wasn't coming back, I don't think the Bulls could have won another championship without him. It's a debate that we will continue to, to debate and talk about for a long time. And especially if LeBron wins another to get six, that debate will get brought up once again. And it's, it's a talk that will never be never ending. It's, it's a what if, what, what, what if what, this, what if this, what if this would have happened? Um, you know, it's going to be a debate for a long time to come. And it's going to be fun to, to see, especially if the NBA is able to return and, and finish out the season. Will the bronze championship go overlooked? It's a whole topic. And uh, obviously we don't have enough time to cover it here, but that kind of wraps up the, the documentary. And if you haven't watched it, I'm sorry. We just kind of spoiled the entire thing for you. Uh, but, again, I, I highly recommend you go watch it because we didn't get to everything, um, and you can still watch it without, uh, without missing out on much so, or without uh, too much being spoiled. But uh, thanks for tuning in. Sam, you got any final comments before we go? Uh, obviously, uh, it's, we're starting to get back to live sports, and hopefully – we can here uh, get back to a normal here soon ish. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just excited for sports to come back and I'm excited to see what the next kind of sports documentary they could release kind of be, I'm kind of picturing the Patriots dynasty kind of picturing. I don't, I don't even know what it could be next. Cause they, they surprise me every, every day. Yeah. Uh, we don't know. I don't know if the Patriots I – don't, I don't know if you'd be able to do one with the Patriots. I don't know how much Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, would be willing to open up about that. It would be interesting. But I, you will see something, uh, I would assume, by next winter, another some sort of documentary. It might not be through ESPN, but through Fox or NBC. They're going to try to follow suit and, and pick up one of these uh, documentaries that, you know, kind of – there's several, you know, NBA, NFL – NHL MLB stories that are just waiting to get picked up. So uh, it'll be interesting. And 
I think, you know, the whole sports documentary landscape has kind of been changed uh, to, to say uh, a little bit about that. I, I think it, it has been changed um, with this whole last dance thing, but uh, that's going to do it for us today. Sam, have a great one. And we'll talk to you next week for another edition. All right, Sam, uh, thanks for tuning in. And uh, I guess Sam didn't want to say bye, but... Uh, oh, bye. I didn't know you were waiting for me to say <laughs> no, something. I was, I was waiting for you to say, all right, see you later, but... Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't right. understand. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's good. See, this is the, this is the uh, difficulty of recording from remote locations. We, uh, we're not really on cue as, as we are in the studio, but uh, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at Straight Up Sports Talk on Twitter. Uh, and you can follow us there for all of our latest content, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, catch up on uh, previous episodes there. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.